Hey, this is Thomas Q. Jones, former UVA All-American running back, and you're listening to The Jerry Ratcliffe Show. Welcome to the Jerry Ratcliffe Show. I'm Chris Graham, joined by Jerry Ratcliffe. We've got a lot to talk about. Football practice starting. Some basketball recruiting we'll get into a little bit later in the show. But Jerry, blazing hot temperatures uh, last night uh, for the first, uh, yesterday evening for the first practice. Um, And uh, UVA football is underway. Uh, What were some of the takeaways from day one? Yeah, and actually before we get started, Chris, I wanted to mention our sponsors including uh, our new sponsor uh, the good feet store located at stonefield right beside burgerbach right across the street directly across the street from the entrance to the theater there uh, great people there uh they have the, the charlottesville store which opened last week with kihei clark and Jaden gardner on hand to greet fans um is their 18th store owned by Jonathan Cotton, who grew up in Crozet. And uh, I went over to the Good Feet store today, Chris, and got fitted. It's the first time I've ever had anybody uh, pay much attention to my feet. But uh, I'll tell you what, I feel like a new man walking out of there. <laughs> they uh, they uh, fitted me, measured me, all this stuff, uh, provided arches. Um, I never realized there were three arches in your foot that you had to take care of and uh wow i mean it made a huge difference i highly suggest that uh, you all go pay them a visit and uh find out what they're all about they're not a shoe store a lot of people will have them confused with like ragged mountain or, or somebody like that but uh, they actually uh, like to be located near to uh running shoe stores so because they they uh, go hand in hand with each other. They just want to make your feet more comfortable, take away your pain or uncomfortable uh, feeling from whatever your foot activity might be. But uh, wow, I, I, I haven't taken uh, these off since I left the store. And uh, it was great meeting Jonathan and his son Jennings Cotton and uh, Grace and Jesse and all the other people. Uh, Carson Cox, uh, just a local kid that uh, works for them. And um, it was awesome. I, I, again, I, I really suggest you go pay them a visit. And um, they have an NIL deal with Kihei and um, Jaden Gardner. And I think they're working on a deal with Mr. Armstrong as we speak. But uh, also thanks to... Uh, UVA Orthopedics, uh, they have a great uh, podcast up. Uh, Dr. David D. Duck giving us a tour of their new facility out on Ivy Road. Uh, if you've got any ortho problems at all, you really need to go check them out. Ragged Mountain Running Shop, um, who has all the footwear you'll ever need for running or walking. And also the great Aberdeen Barn. After you're busy with all these other people, go over there and grab a steak. <laughs> Check out the atmosphere. So uh, thanks to all these sponsors for uh, supporting our podcast. We couldn't do it without them, and uh, we greatly appreciate them. Listen to their commercials as uh, you peruse through our podcast today. Yeah, and also check them out on the website, too. Links on the website that you can follow. Actually, just click on the, the uh, ads on the site, whether it's mobile uh, or desktop. It'll take you straight to those folks and you can learn more about them, do some business with them. That'd be great. 
Absolutely. And and I know, Chris, you've uh, supported some of those stores in the past yourself. I've, had, I've been known to fun. eat. A, I've been known to eat a steak at the Aberdeen Barn. I've got uh, two pair of shoes from Ragged Mountain. Uh, let's see. I've not had to do anything with UVA orthopedics. That's probably a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as much as we've talked with them over the years. Yeah. They're, they're, they're good folks. And if I ever need to, that's where I'll go. Um, Me too. Yeah. but, uh, hopefully that won't happen anytime soon. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, uh, and I look for the good feed people. I've, I've seen, seen the ad on your site and, and seen a commercial or two on TV from them and, uh, definitely want to check them out next time over, over in Charlottesville. Yeah, and getting back to your original question, um, it was blazing hot yesterday. Um, Scott German and I uh, attended the practice along with other media. And uh, Scott didn't do so well with the heat. I'll go ahead and tell the story real quick. I was just on the phone <laughs> with Scott. Boy, he, you know, Jerry, you'll tell your part. You, you do well with heat. You're, you're a golfer, so, you know, you have to enjoy the heat. You have to enjoy the cold weather, too. You, if you want to play golf, you got to enjoy the weather. Scott, uh, yeah, didn't do so well. Had to stop on his way home from practice and and kind of re- get get some stuff out of his stomach, and that wasn't a good thing. But he felt better afterwards. So uh, the heat was enough to get Scott uh, uh, on the sidelines. Uh, but uh, I'm guessing the football team uh, acclimated pretty well. They did for the most part. Uh, I only saw two of their guys leaning over trash cans uh, during practice. <laughs> Scott needed a trash can. That's what he needed. <laughs> yeah, he did. Uh, but it was, it was in the nineties. Uh, most of the practice was outside. They did some drills, uh, in the air conditioning of the George Welsh indoor practice facility, which, uh, is right beside the practice fields. Uh, but it was, it was pretty brutal out there. Um, and they were put through their paces. I mean, they, there was hardly any time to sit down and rest or anything like that. Um, a lot of uh, fundamental drills that we watched in, in every phase for every position. And uh, they finished uh, they finished uh, it off. Well, actually, it was before they finished. They uh, had, I don't know, at least 30 minutes, I think, of maybe a little bit longer because we missed some of it. Uh, we didn't get to, uh, media didn't get to stay for the entire practice. We came and watched some of it at first then we had to leave and came back at the end but um they had a, a lengthy scrimmage uh on the first day of practice which was interesting and they were running uh, three units of offense and defense at each other uh in rapid fire succession one quarterback would lead uh an offense uh, down the field for a certain number of plays, and then they would switch over to another quarterback and another offensive unit, and then on to a third. And same on the defense. It was a lot of uh, best on best, I think, uh, what we were seeing. And they were going at it fast and furious, Chris. They, uh, I think Tony told us afterward that they were running – uh, 10 plays every five minutes, which is a 30-second pace. And in that kind of heat, that was that was pretty um, rigorous. And uh, there was no wasted time. They would come out, line up, snap it, go, um, and then uh, get right back to the line and snap it and go. So this is a very high-tempo offense they're running at the time, and I'm, I'm assuming they're going to stay that way. 
which uh, if you're a sports writer, I never enjoyed that because it's so it's so if you keep your own play by play, by the time you get through writing down or maybe even before you get through writing down the details of the previous play, they've already lined up and snapped the ball and run another play. So. Hey, I've been a I've been a radio college football broadcaster too. I did seven right. years. I did seven years of games at VMI as their play by play radio guy, and it's even worse when you're the, when you're doing radio because at least I was play by play guy. I got to talk. Um, VMI runs uh, they've run a couple versions of the air raid uh, the last I'd say five years. The first couple years they did run a lot, so at least there was some time. But when you're when you're trying to broadcast the air raid. And they're snapping the ball every 20 or 25 seconds. I barely say what happened. I have to kick it over to my color guy. He says like two words and they're snapping it again. So that's tough. <laughs> it's not much room for the color. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it was a very enthusiastic, uh, high spirited practice. Uh, the players seemed very comfortable, very happy. Um, Tony, I think Tony got after him a little bit after practice, and, and that's that's probably not a bad thing. Um, sort of reading them the riot act after the first day and letting them know where they stood. And, um, you know, he, he wanted them to recognize what the standard of the day was and try to raise that bar every day to get better by 1% every day as they move forward. We're, uh, we're now less than a month from the opener. And um, so with the new staff and new systems and and uh, some new players, it's it's uh, not, not that far away from the opening kickoff. You know, among the things he said afterwards, uh, you, you talked about the, the pace, and, and that's really important too. And he – Obviously, he's bringing that with him from Clemson. Uh, that that's that's got to be something that that he learned there and has decided. Hey, that's what works. You know, let's play fast pace. But he talked about how um, how important it is for the guys to be in in shape, not just physically but mentally, because late in games, you know, you when you're tired, that's when mistakes happen. And um, you know, if you put the guys through the rigors in camp. Um, again, both physically and mentally. I mean, the physical and mental go together because if you're tired, that's when you'll be a little, a little more lax. Maybe the fundamentals will be, you know, a, a little, will be a little less, a little less fundamental in your play. And so, um, you know, getting them used to playing at this pace uh, seems like that's that's the prescription for for getting around those late game issues that can plague a team. Yeah, and as I'm sure you recall as well as I do, uh, Bronco Mendenhall was always reminding us that ACC games are usually decided by three to five plays. And a lot of those happen, like you said, in the fourth quarter, particularly in the waning moments of games if it's a tight game. So um, that's a good thing to drill into these guys now. Uh, if practice is as hard as um, – it is perceived to be, uh, then games become easier. <laughs> exactly. And uh, yeah. so, you know, that's going to be very pertinent as we go. And uh, particularly with the new offensive line, um, some of these guys, I, I still think that's going to be the key to the entire season is how well the guys who were uh, role players or second, third team last year who are back, how well they advance their game, how some of the transfers 
portal guys um, adjust to power five football. And if these guys can block or not, um, the last thing you want is Brennan Armstrong running for his life, trying to hook up with maybe the best receiving core in the country. And uh, even though, even though uh, I think you pointed this out last year, that he, he, even though Brennan was on the run a lot, even with a good offensive line, uh, his accuracy, the percentage, was higher than when he was uh, scrambling. <laughs> that it was when he was just dropping back into the pocket. So uh, they're lucky that they have a guy who can throw well on the fly and accurately on the fly. Having great receivers, experienced receivers, is only going to enhance that. And um, should they be able to get a running game going, which is one of their desires, uh, he didn't have that many play-action passes last year. But when he did, he was very effective. So uh, I, I think that's going to be the whole key to the season is whether this offensive line can gel and, and be effective. Looking for a great dining experience in Charlottesville? Look no further than the Aberdeen Barn. The barn has been family-owned and operated since 1965, with Terry and Angela providing great atmosphere and mouth-watering food at Virginia's big-time steakhouse. Enjoy the fine dining or relax in the Sportsman's Bar, a fantastic place to wind down and socialize, surrounded by flat-screen televisions tuned to the latest sporting events. You never know who you might bump into at the Aberdeen Barn, where all the greatest Cavaliers have dined over the decades and keep coming back for the delicious menu and good times. Check it out online at AberdeenBarn.com or call 434-296-4630. Yeah, you know, he, they, they didn't run uh, anything under center with the quarterback uh, quarterbacks as it, it, when, when, when Brennan wouldn't be the, the guy in the backfield in wildcat situations. Um, so that is a different kind of thing, you know, you know now they'll, they'll mix the, the under center and, and shotgun, and that will give you different kind of looks in play action. He's yeah, he's, his, his numbers as a play action quarterback, as good as they are overall, they were much better as a play action quarterback. Um, he gives you a different element too in play action because Brennan not only, um, can roll out and hit a tight end dragging across the middle, like we saw for all those years in the George Welsh, Tom O'Brien era, but he can be a threat with the with his feet too, uh, if there's nothing there. So you got to account for that differently than maybe you did some other quarterbacks and would some other quarterbacks. Um, also, uh, it'll it'll you know this is this is a, a big factor for the offensive line how this will play out. You, you've talked about the running game and how how Elliott wants to have a running game and his new offensive coordinator Des Kitchings. You know, at Clemson last year, forty nine point five percent of of Elliott's uh, play calls uh, were were runs. Yeah, he was uh, the offensive coordinator there for a long time. Um, last year, uh, Robert and I, uh, it's it's funny you have to you have to account for it this way. Seventy three percent of his play calls on offense for an eye were were passes. Now, because of scrambles and things like that, it was it didn't look as, as skewed uh, in the final stats because, of course, when you scramble, that counts as a run, or when you're sacked, that counts as a run, but um, 73% of the plays that Anai called were passes. So that we're going from, I mean, almost three fourths of your plays being uh, pass plays to, I mean, you know, he wants to be as close to 50, 50 as possible. So, um, you need an offensive line to be able to do that. But I also wonder if having your offensive line run block more where 
you know, when you're run blocking, you're imposing your will on the defensive line and, and linebackers. You're, you're going forward um, as opposed to when you're pass blocking, you're dropping back. Uh, I wonder if that will make the line more effective because, you know, I mean, you're, 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 you're the one laying your weight on them, not the other way around. So, but yeah, the, the line's key to all this, uh, you know, the, the ability to run the ball, the ability to us to also protect Brendan and get those receivers in the game. If they don't have an offensive line, they're not going to be able to do any of that. You're exactly right. And, uh, you know, there's an old coaching theory that you're not going to be good against the run unless you practice against the run. Uh, and and we've, I think we've seen some of that in the last couple of years. And uh, I would think the defense has to be a little bit better than they were last year. I mean, they, if you look, I'm looking at the, um, your rank in um, I'm on the wrong page here. Uh, their rank last year in the major categories of the NCAA statistics. Scoring defense, they were 104 out of 130 schools. Rushing defense, they were number 123 out of 130 schools. Passing defense, 87. And maybe that's because they were up against the pass all the time in practice. Yeah. And uh, total defense, number 121. So uh, you would think and hope that there's going to be an improvement there. I can't fathom them being as bad on defense again as they were last year. But, you know, they they're, we asked Tony last night after practice about the, bringing the offensive line along with a lot of new faces. How do you do that without overwhelming them? And he said, you know, we've focused a lot on fundamentals, going back to fundamentals and working hard on that aspect of the game. And then, you know, we will develop them as we go throughout the training camp. But that's probably the intelligent way of going about it. Because I'm sure those guys can be overwhelmed. A lot of people think, oh, well, offensive lineman, just a big, just a big dumb guy. Well, usually there's, some of the most intelligent players on the field because they have to read the defense. They have to uh, understand what the blocking scheme is. They have to adjust on the, on the fly to uh, blitzes and stunts. And uh, these guys are pretty smart. And so um, you don't want to overwhelm them at first, but uh, you know, and, and as far as the running game goes, um, the balance, they, they certainly do want balance. Talking to Des Kitchens, the new offensive coordinator last week, who was the running game uh, guy for the Atlanta Falcons last year. And he said, yeah, you know, uh, I can't promise you that we're going to be 50-50, but we need to be to the point where when we need to run the ball, we can run the ball. So if we have a five-point lead with four minutes to play and we get the ball back, we need to bleed the clock. We need to be able to run the ball and get first downs and keep the other team's offense off the field and, and sew up the game. Uh, if we're down in uh, deep inside the red zone and we need to score in short yardage, uh, we need to move the chains. We need to get in the end zone. And uh, – I mean, God, we all remember what happened last year in that last series against Virginia Tech when they were at the nine-yard line and couldn't get the ball in the end zone because they couldn't run it and they couldn't throw it. And um, 
So, yeah, he's exactly right. When If you can control the offensive line of scrimmage and you can run the ball, you can pretty much do whatever you want offensively. And I, I think if they can just run it a little bit and if they can block just a little bit, it's going to make them pretty effective. So it's, I think we're going to be paying a lot of attention to that over the next, over the remainder of the month. And uh, just trying to see how that offensive line is developing, how the running game is developing. Hi, it's Jonathan Cotton with the Good Feet Store. As a lifelong runner, the pain in my feet was debilitating. Finally, I went into the Good Feet Store and found the answer personally fit art supports. They helped me so much, I ran my first marathon that year. Then because I believed in the Good Feet system so much, I bought the store. I'm so happy to offer my hometown community the opportunity to find relief from foot, knee, and back pain. The Good Feet store is located in the shops at Stonefield near Trader Joe's. Book your appointment today at goodfeet.com. Virginia was third in the nation last year in total offense, but in the 50s, I want to say it was 54th, in red zone offense. And that goes back to the inability to run the ball. Um, you mentioned the Virginia Tech game, the uh, first and goal at the nine. They ran a play, got a couple yards, and couldn't get any closer. Uh, and, and that's why that game was lost. Also, the weight game, I remember. Um, they had a, a fourth and goal at the five, tried to yeah. punch it in, couldn't score. Next time down, they had a third and goal at the somewhere around the five and decided to kick a field goal. And those, those two sequences, only getting three points out of those two uh, penetrations is why they lost that game. Um, a great quote from Elliot last night. Um, and he, it goes back to the fundamentals you're talking about, Jerry, with the offensive line. He's talking about um, talking with the coaches after practice. He said, it's not about us, be, us being the coaches, being the guys that can win on the chalkboard. I'd rather be a team that is a good team that doesn't do a lot than be a bad team, but we've got great coaches and we've got great schemes. So what he's saying is, <laughs> yeah. I know I've got a, a bunch of guys out here that are inexperienced, and he talked about that a lot last night about the offensive line. Inexperienced guys, we've got some transfers coming in, so you know they're, they're, they're going to have to gel together. So, yeah, we don't need the best schemes. We just need to block guys. <laughs> yeah, 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 keep it simple, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. That was Vince Lombardi's, and I know it's a different world now, but uh, Lombardi didn't have that many plays. He just wanted to run those plays well, and you knew what was coming. You had to stop it. And uh, I don't know that Tony will be that um, vanilla, but I, I think he will uh, go away from the 1,000-play uh, <laughs> playbook that, that Robert and I had to where uh, the guys had to know so much and it, and uh, adjust to things that, you know, you, sometimes you can outsmart yourselves when you're trying to outsmart the opposition. And I don't know how many times we asked Anai about certain plays over the years and he that backfired on him. And he said, well, we tried to fool him. Sometimes that doesn't work. Sometimes you're just, it blows up in your face where if you're just a strong, fundamentally sound football team, you can get it done. And I, I think that's probably more of his philosophy than trying to trick people. I have a, a friend of mine who's a, uh, a Virginia alum and also a big football fan. We were talking about uh, Nye going to Syracuse. Of course, Syracuse on a schedule uh, for, for the Who's early in the season. Um, the, the friend speculated that, you know what, uh, uh, Bob's going to uh, – he's going to run that play. He's going to run that pitch back to the tackle play 
just to prove it can work. <laughs> oh, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he runs it against Virginia. That's what I'm saying. He's going to run it against oh, Virginia yeah. on that Friday night up, up in Syracuse. He's going to use that against Virginia just so he can prove it will work. So be ready for that uh, defensive staff. We, we, we know what he's going to try. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be a bit surprised. And, um, uh, some things never change, right? <laughs> exactly. You got you got to prove the point there. So um, what else? Any other highlights from, from uh, the first practice last night? Uh, well, you know, we, uh, we, we were looking around and just trying to see what we could see. And it was nice to see Billy Kemp back. Uh, saw a couple of drills where he, uh, it looked like, you know, he's, they weren't fielding punts, but the Tony was actually throwing the ball up in the air like a punt. And some of the guys were catching it. Billy was one of them. And uh, he looked like his mobility was same as it ever was. Uh, was able to stop on a dime, turn, all that stuff. Uh, so it was nice to see him back. I still think he's one of the most underrated players in Virginia history. Uh, I love watching him play football. Uh, Bronco said he was the, one of the toughest guys he's ever dealt with and somebody who just would not back down from anything. So it was great to see him back. It was great to see Lavelle Davis back. Um, we talked to Lavelle. I'll have a story about that coming up in the next day or two. We talked to him after practice as we did uh, Mike Hollins, uh, the running back. And Lavelle talked about how much better off he was uh, last night than he was in the spring, that he's lost some weight, he's back in shape, uh, full confidence in his knee and being able to run all the routes and do everything. So it was, it was good to see those two very important cogs in the passing game back and healthy again. Uh, Hollins actually had uh, – he's one of the guys competing for the starting running back job, as you know, along with Ronnie Walker, who was missing camp. Um still recovering from a leg injury in the spring. Uh, and uh, the Miami uh, transfer, uh, whose name escapes me at the moment, uh, Brown, I think it's Brown. Anyway, um, I got, yeah, Cody Brown, uh, 5'10", 227. Uh, really good high school back out of the Atlanta area and trans went to – Committed to Tennessee, moved, uh, transferred to Miami after they had a coaching change. Didn't play a lot last year, but uh, sounds like his best years are ahead of him. But Hollins is competing with both those guys for the starting job, probably with some other people that I didn't mention. And uh, what happened to him last night, he, apparently he was off to a great start in the first practice, and all of a sudden – Tony looks over to the sideline, and there's Hollins on the sideline. He had cramped up, and uh, we talked to Hollins about that. Tony said they were trying to trace back to see what might have caused that, and Hollins told us, and I didn't know this either until he mentioned it. He said that he said he learned from the team nutritionists after he cramped up last night that drinking you can drink too much water, and that's not going to prevent you from cramping up. It's about getting – uh, the electrolytes and other things in your body too to help combat that. Uh, probably some other things in terms of 
maybe diet. I don't know, but bananas are key. Actually, I'm, I'm, and yes, I'm potassium. Yeah, I've been a, I've been a runner for years, and if I don't eat, uh, you know, if I don't have bananas in the house, man, I tell you what, I when I I wake up at three in the morning and I've got cramps in my legs. Yeah, yeah. And I heard, I heard an old wives' tale from some Navy people, um, Navy football players, that, that peanut butter helps too. So I, I don't. I don't know. I, I like peanut butter and banana sandwiches, which I know a lot of people don't. But uh, Elvis so did. Maybe that's why I didn't cramp up much throughout my running career. And stuff. There you go. Yeah. And now Elvis, Elvis is a peanut butter. I think he fried his. And they were deep. Butter, I'm not sure they were very healthy. They probably weren't very good for you. <laughs> no, I don't either. I don't think so either. Um, but, uh, you know, well, otherwise it was pretty. Uh, pretty routine practice for the first day and uh we'll be at the next one tomorrow evening some point and report back from that uh we're gonna have so many stories and interviews uh gosh i don't know i guess we'll be having at least one a day from for the next 30 days leading up <laughs> at least yeah yes yeah yeah, that's that's the thing. You're gonna need a team of writers to help you with these stories, uh, with everything coming out of this, which which is good. This is this is the time of year now to get excited about things. Um, you want to switch over to basketball now? Basketball season is is still a couple months away, but it's not like it's slowed down. There's a lot of recruiting news that you can keep us up to date on. Yeah, and their trip to Italy is coming up uh, later this month too. So I don't know how much information we'll be getting from over over there, but. Um, but certainly it's an opportunity for this team to gel with Ben Vanderplas joining the team and the addition of those four talented freshmen from all four stars from around the country. Um, as we speak, Chris, uh, I don't know if it's breaking news or not, but uh, most of us didn't know this was happening today. Um, Caleb Williams, a six, seven wing, the class of 2024 is actually visiting UVA as we speak in this podcast. Uh, one of the fastest rising players in the class of 24. Haven't had time to do much research on him yet, but I know he holds offers already from Michigan, Villanova, Georgetown, Indiana, and Maryland. And I wouldn't be surprised if one comes um, quickly from UVA. And uh, speaking of uh, offers, from uh, Tony's made some in the past couple of days. Um, two of them are from kids in North Carolina. Um, Jaden Mustaf, Mustaf, uh, and Jaden spelled a different way. Two Jadens there. We can have two Isaacs. I guess we could have two Jadens, right? <laughs> J1 Jayden, and J2. Jaden Mustaf and Jaden Juke Harris. Uh, Harris visited Monday and uh, previously had an offer from, uh, from Virginia, uh, I believe, uh, just recent. And Mustaf also. Uh, as an offer. They're both from the state of North Carolina. Mustaf is a 6'5", four-star shooting guard from Matthews, which I think is right outside Charlotte. Um, he attends Carmel Christian School. He's rated the number 55 overall prospect in his class nationally. Uh, this is class 24. 
as well. So they're recruiting way down the road. As, uh, he's the number 13 shooting guard in the country for that class and the number four overall prospect in the state of North Carolina, uh, all by 247 Sports. He has already been offered from UVA, Virginia Tech, NC State, Maryland, Indiana, Xavier, Georgia, and Texas A&M. Looks like Virginia and Virginia Tech and NC State and Indiana are going a lot after a lot of the same players. Xavier's been in some of those mixes as well. Uh, Juke Harris, 6'4 combo guard from Salisbury, just above Charlotte. Number 18 shooting guard in the country by On3, uh, a relatively new sports uh, website company uh, nationally. Uh, the number 75 overall prospect in the nation for the same class, 2024. And number seven in the state of North Carolina. He's been offered by UVA, Tech, Wake, Georgetown, Tennessee, VCU, NC State, Houston, and Illinois. Uh, they previously offered a guy. I don't know if they have much of a chance for him or not. Um, back in January, they offered Jaron Stevenson, one of the top uh, prospects in that class. He's a 6'8", five-star power forward from Pittsburgh, North Carolina, which I believe is near Raleigh. I'm not sure that my North Carolina geography, even though I should be. I've been all over the place down there. Uh, I think it's rivals that reach him the number 14 prospect in the country and the number one power forward and the top prospect in the state of North Carolina. Uh, a lot of people think that he'll go to Carolina. The uh, Tar Hills, Virginia, NC State, and Wake are all in hot pursuit of this kid. Um, so that's the three from the class of 2024 that they have uh, offered, and two of those coming within just recent days. UVA Orthopedics and Sports Medicine boast one of the finest teams of doctors in the country, and they're right here in Charlottesville to not only provide care for the University of Virginia athletic teams, but also the Charlottesville and Central Virginia communities. UVA Orthopedics has been a proud sponsor of the Jerry Ratcliffe Show for the past two years, with numerous team members featured in weekly segments where doctors share great insight into various sports injuries, what causes them, how to treat them, and recovery time. Their team of experts are there for you and offer the best care to solve your health problems and get you back on your feet. Let their team of specialists get you back in the game. I see that you've got uh, Trey Green, uh, a, a point guard target, uh, is set to make an announcement probably in the coming days. Yeah, I'm losing track of the days. August is flying by, by so fast. Today's the fourth. So he's uh, set to announce Saturday, which kind of came out of nowhere. Nobody thought he was going to uh, commit that quickly. Uh, looking for my notes here, honey. He's. Uh, he played really well at Peach Jam down in uh, South Carolina or Georgia, wherever that is. Uh, he's originally from the Charlotte area, but he plays uh, at Link Academy in Branson, Missouri. Uh, one of those 
private schools to place a, a national schedule, kind of like Oak Hill and yeah. that, that sort of thing. Um, depending on what recruiting service you want to believe, I've seen him listed anywhere from 5'9 to 5'11, and the UVA coaches have told him that uh, he's reminiscent, at least size-wise, to Kia Clark. He's 155 pounds, not a very big guy. He's a four-star in the class of 2023. Uh, various services rate him differently. Uh, 247 have him number 95 in the country. Rivals have him has him 117. On three has him 89. As far as a uh, point guard goes, and he is a point guard, uh, 247 has him the 14th point guard in the country. On three has him number 12. Rivals has him 25. He's the number two ranked player in the state of Missouri, the highest ranked player in that state uh, in, quite a, in quite a while, uh, even though he's originally from North Carolina. I don't know how you rate that, but uh, I think his stock really shot up with his performance at Peach Jam. Um, offers started rolling in, and uh, he had offers from Virginia, Virginia Tech, Miami, Clemson, Nebraska, Boston College, Xavier, VCU, Boise State, and others, LSU. Um, I know he was said he was planning on visiting Virginia Tech, Virginia Xavier, and LSU. I don't I don't know if he's carried all of those out. He must have uh, he visited Virginia very recently, and I, wherever he's been, or whoever he's talked to, and I know Virginia was hard recruiting him, really, really hard. He he developed a, a nice relationship with Orlando Vandross, UVA one of UVA's assistants. Um, so, you know, something happened to change his mind to commit quickly. So it, it'll be interesting to see if he's going to be wearing orange and blue come Saturday evening. He's made his mind up and he's just waiting until Saturday to tell us. That's right. That's pretty much what it is. <laughs> it seems that way. It yeah. really does. And, um, there's another kid that they offered today, Chris, and I, let me check my Newest note here. I got it somewhere on my file. Uh, just hit the wrong button. Oh, it, it was to Williams. So he, he visited. He's visiting now, and he was he was offered today during his visit. Um, so it'll be interesting to see uh, how that turns out. Um, I'm, I'm assuming none of these guys from the class of 24 are going to be making a commitment anytime soon, but at least he has one now uh, from the Cavaliers. And what a good time to offer him while he's right here front and center and seeing JPJ and everything else you have to offer. And another guy that uh, you talked about, the Peach Jam, uh, as, as a place that uh, the Virginia coaches have been all over. Another guy that they like down there, Elijah Gertrude um, from uh, yeah. Jersey City, New Jersey. Yeah, that kid, uh, he's a 6'3 shooting guard. Um, visited last Thursday. He's from Hudson Catholic in uh, Jersey City, New Jersey. 
Bennett saw him twice during some of the uh, summer basketball league play. Williford saw him. Uh, I think uh, Kyle Getter and Vandross saw him as well. A lot of cross scouting there. He's ranked the number nine prospect in the state of New Jersey and the number 27 combo guard in the country. Um, Kansas and Syracuse are also highly involved with him. And I know that when he was asked about his visit to Virginia, he he termed it as great. Uh, he really liked um, Tony Bennett and the staff and the traditions here and, and the way that the, the players seem like family. So uh, he's from the class of 23. And the, there's another kid, uh, El Marco Jackson. I think we've talked about him before on here. He's, he's a point guard, uh, class of 23 as well. And he, um, shooting guard, um, excuse me, uh, point guard. Uh, I really like the video of him. Um, he's a, a real athlete and he's very quick, uh, good down the court speed. Uh, he's from the state of Connecticut. Uh, I know Tony Bennett watched him in Chicago a lot, at some of the games up there. Um, wow, he's um, he's being courted by Kansas and Villanova, Pitt, Rutgers, Seton Hall, St. John's, uh, Maryland. So, uh, you know, it's so early to tell with some of these kids where they're going to end up, what they're going to decide. Uh, there's also a couple other kids on the radar. Uh, one of them is from the class of 2020. Well, no, we talked about Duke Harris. That's right. Another kid that I failed to mention is an, another uh, green, Trey Green, uh, from the class of 2000. No, I'm sorry. He's from, uh, I don't know if he's from 24 or 25. I don't have that written down here. So they, uh, he played for the Virginia-based team-loaded AAU team, and he's been offered by Tech, Illinois, Ole Miss, Ohio, and George Mason. Uh, he's He was supposed to visit this week, I believe, Trey Green. Uh, there's so many guys on the radar right now from the 23, 24, and 25 classes, it's hard to keep track of them all. Uh, another kid from 2025, Holt Langdon. Uh, he is visiting, he visited yesterday. We haven't heard how that visit went yet. He's a 6'8 kid, 205 pounds. We don't have a lot of research on him yet. Some of these guys are so far down the road, they haven't really been rated by the recruiting services yet, but all the Virginia coaches have seen them during games uh, all around the country throughout uh, the summer, EYBL or AAU or whatever you want to call it now. Uh, summer league games. So uh, tons of guys uh, offered, tons of guys visiting, tons of guys interested. It's going to be interesting to see where all this goes, Chris. Uh, there'll be a lot of uh, openings after this season, obviously. So um, they only have the one commitment so far. And uh, we'll see how that, see how that goes.
I was, uh, you know, you talked about the guys coming back because, yeah, this, this part part of the appeal. I saw in a couple of your stories that part of the appeal for these guys is that the family, that there's a family aspect, and so many of the guys yeah. who are in the NBA come back. And I saw some video. I'm trying to think. Was it um, uh, Trey? Huff, uh, I said Trey. Huff, Jay Huff and um, Miami Diakite were on the green team against some guys uh, this week. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> That's the green team. <laughs> that's the green team. Yeah, I mean that's that's you know getting work against your uh, your your regular roster there. That's that's pretty good green team, and it just shows. I mean, I saw a video earlier this summer of you know uh, DeAndre and Ty, and um, there was a third guy. Maybe it was Kihei actually running through a a line shooting um, corner threes. You know, kind of just running I through. I think a Devin Hall there. was here too. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and yeah. so love seeing that. Love seeing that those guys. They, they, they obviously shows they feel like that's a family. They come back and they do their work in the offseason, at least some of their work in the offseason here. Um, that, that shows that, uh, you know, they, they they don't have to do that. They can go anywhere they want to, and they choose to come back to Charlottesville and do that work. Yeah, that is pretty special because that doesn't happen everywhere. And um, I know it means a lot to Tony and the staff. And I know it means a lot to these players, um, particularly the new ones who don't, know any of these guys are are seeing what the Virginia family is all about and uh, if recruit and re, like you said well, several recruits have mentioned that that they how impressed they were that these guys are coming back and mingling with the, the present day players and, and meeting the recruits and and that sort of thing uh, scrimmaging all that stuff that that's huge I mean it, it's really huge and uh, I think that's one of the things Tony Elliott is trying to bring back to football too, is bringing back as many alumni as he possibly can. Uh, yesterday at practice, the football practice, we saw uh, Sean Moore there, uh, Nate Collins, uh, two or three other guys uh, whose names escape me at the moment. But uh, those guys are starting to come back to uh, games and practices and, and and that means a lot to the kids uh, who've heard of these guys and see their names in record books and uh, see their pictures hanging up in the football offices or in the George Wells Center and uh, it, it's it's a big thing of pride for football and basketball. It's great to see yeah indeed. Well, what else uh, is going on, Jerry? Uh, we we've covered a lot here in 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 pretty much what's been close to an hour. What what else is uh, on your your radar? Uh, not a lot. We're uh, just going to be writing uh, tons of football and keeping up with basketball recruiting uh, until that uh, kickoff in about a, less than a month now. And so yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll be having some other stuff too. Uh, we want to keep all keep you abreast of your whatever your favorite sport is. EVA doesn't have to be football or basketball, but we're uh, we're all in. We got it all covered, and we hope you will uh, enjoy it. We're working on some special guests as uh, podcast guests for Chris and I to have fun with over the next month. Some from the football world, some from the basketball world, some from maybe another world, and. Uh, Got a couple of uh, new features I'm thinking about adding to uh, one of our po- maybe a weekly podcast that will it'll be a lot of fun. I promise you, it's going to be a lot of fun. And Chris and I'll probably talk about that off the uh, air here in a minute. <laughs> Not ready to give it away quite yet, but uh, yeah, yeah. Keep, we keep, want to thank you for listening to our podcast because we're you know we're we've gotten tremendous uh, response to it over the past month, and I know Chris 
appreciates that as well. Yeah, so one more thank you to the sponsors, Jerry, before we sign off. Yes, thanks to Aberdeen Barn, the Good Feet store. Uh, Stonefield there, uh, right beside a burger box. Walk in, get fitted, get your all your foot problems taken care of. You won't believe how great your feet will feel once you uh, walk out of that store. And just like you won't feel, uh, you won't realize how great your stomach feels until you get, get to leave with an Aberdeen Barn steak. Uh, running Ragged Mountain Running Shop, great shoes, great people, been here forever. And UVA Orthopedics is there if you need them. Hopefully you don't need them, but if you do, can't go anywhere better. So thank you to all those great sponsors for supporting us. My thanks to those folks as well. Thanks to you for listening, and uh, everyone have a great day.